Hello and good morning and I hope everyone's had a good week. This is a new entry to the Morning Star Journal with me, Tariq. And I hope that everyone, uh, whoever's listening, and I'd like to thank you for listening, for those who have. Um, and I hope everyone's had a happy Thanksgiving, although a little bit belated. It was, it was on Thursday and today is Saturday. But again, I just want to kind of throw it out there to anyone who's listening that I hope they had a good Thanksgiving. They survived uh, any kind of family and friends get together they've had. Um, and also, yesterday survived Black Friday somehow. Although there'll be deals going on for the next couple of days as well, Cyber Monday. So uh, definitely have to prepare for that. It's a little bit rainy today, so I'm hoping that dies down because I do have to go out for a little bit. But today, as you're listening right now, I'd like to talk about one of my favorite—sorry, my favorite shows back in 2000. Sorry, back in 2008, which is called Leverage, and that's the kind of opening theme that you're hearing in the background a little bit. Uh, so. Let's actually get right down into it, why I like this show. But first, I'm actually going to read the uh, back insert from the DVD, uh, from the season one DVD, that is. So, uh, insurance investigator Nate Ford, played by Academy Award winner Timothy Hutton, Exposed scams and recovered stolen items worth millions, but his life hits the skids when his insurance company allowed his ailing eight-year-old son to die. Years later, Nate gets even as the leader of a specialized team of thieves, computer experts, and con artists who write corporate and governmental injustices against honest citizens. To expose corruption, Nate will do wrong for all the right reasons. He'll provide... Leverage. <laughs> so, uh, let me talk about this show, which I just love since pretty much the first episode. Uh, came out in 2008. Leverage is basically um, what it sounds like. It's it's almost like uh, think of uh, old school Mission Impossible. Um, an A-team, which you have this group of, in this case, a group of criminals who go around and basically just help uh, anybody in need. Like anybody who, kind of like the description says, was uh, taken advantage of by either a evil corporation or um, an evil government, you know, entity of any kind. And they helped all kinds of people. Um, so there's a lot to like about this show um, because... One is these criminals, which remind, which kind of harkens back to why I love uh, the X Men. And before, when I talked about why I like Guardians of the Galaxy, this is a bunch of uh, criminals or misfits, but who aren't really bad. Well, some of them are really bad, but they're trying to do good. And they've been criminals for so long, they really don't know how to be good. But given, but they're given a scenario where now they can do good, and it helps them progress to be better. So, let me go over the cast real quick. So, like I said before, we got Timothy Hutton, who plays the star Nate Ford, 
who's considered the mastermind brains behind the operation. So Nate uh, was an insurance investigator, but uh, we're not talking about, oh, uh, I called in about my car being uh, wrecked or, um, or not even, oh, um, there was a flood and, you know, I lost my, uh, you know, expensive computer and TV. We're talking about millions if not case billions of dollars by by organizations like museums or um uh billionaires who lost or supposedly lost uh priceless items or in this case the insurance company has a price on those items and he investigates like whether these are frauds or whether it's true and also the criminals that uh actually attempted to steal it which leads to the group, because at one point or another, he's actually either chased or investigated each one of them. So he kind of knows a little bit about them in the beginning. But the way the, and what I like about it, the way the story progresses is that he gets to learn more of them personally. Not just these thieves that he's tracked, but actually like people, like what they've done, why they're doing it, and what they really strive for, and even giving them new goals. So Nate's our main guy, and um, kind of like we said, he lost his son when he lost his son basically to his insurance company. The insurance company he worked for um, denied basically a treatment that could have saved his son. So that led him to depression. That led him to start drinking, and that pretty much that that drinking sets the course for the entire series. And the series lasted. Five seasons, so it went from 2008 to 2012. And fortunately, it did. You know, by the end of the fifth season, uh, supposedly there was a drop off in um, uh, critical, you know, reception and stuff, which is kind of sad because I enjoy, even though there was kind of ups and downs throughout the season, I enjoyed it a lot. But anyway, um, his, um, you know, drinking. You see it throughout the season at the series, and you see how it progresses, how it gets better at times, how it gets worse at times, how he tried to drop off, but then he, um, because he's this mastermind control, he dives into the controlling aspect of what he does at cons, and you see that made it worse, and it it's... It's a wild circle of what he has to go through, and it's um, and it and his his recovery pretty much through pretty much this whole series is his recovery um, is kind of helped and you know at times slightly hurt by his team. Now his team consists of uh, uh, Sophie Devereaux, who's played by Gina Bellum, and uh, a, a lot of the, other than Timothy Hutton. And one other person, um, a lot of these people were new to me. Like, I did not know uh, any of these uh, actors before I saw this series. A lot of them, I think, started in either minor roles or um, some in some cases probably um, a foreign film or two. But um, I really didn't know them until this show. So this was like a brand new set of cast, which was really cool. Because sometimes if you have people you know, you already have a set mind on how this actor or actress should be but if they come brand new you can just accept the role so getting back we have Sophie, like I said Sophie Devereaux played by Gina Bellum and she's a grifter who basically takes a more subtle approach 
to crime. She'll, you know, get to know the mark and um, she kind of like eases into it, but she's able to um, change like accents, her um, whole way of getting to know you, depending on how you interact with her. And it's amazing how they show how. Uh, you know, the con will maybe be going one way, but then they notice, oh, this, it's slipping a little bit, and she can easily flip it to get them on board again. And it's always fun that they uh, they show, like, all the different accents that she's able to portray and um, all the different personalities she's able to switch in and out of, even sometimes copying some of the uh, crew in uh, some instances, which is kind of funny. Um, and... The thing about Sophie, of course, is that she plays, whereas Nate is the kind of mastermind and almost father figure, you can see Sophie as this mother figure, where she really tries to take care of the team, especially when Nate um, is on these kind of um, alcohol binges that kind of War or kind of warps his judgment when it comes to how to treat a con or even how to deal with, um, you know, their clients. Sophie is able to massage it a little bit better and able to get things back on track or even to get them out of circumstances when um, it gets really tough. Uh, next, we have uh, Alec Hardison, played by. Aldous Hodge, and he is the hacker, but he's a lot more than that. He is a self-imposed geek, so hey, two thumbs up for him, definitely for me. Uh, but he's an extremely smart young man. He's uh, basically on the show. He's this technical genius, but also he's a good just engineer mechanic. He um, is able to acquire pretty much like all the kind of resources wise, they have uh, earbuds that he actually makes for them. Um, he provides all the information. He does the recon. Um, usually, he's in, he's stuck in the he's the man in the chair, as they say, or uh, the man in the van. Um, Happily named Lucille. Uh, and he goes through a few vans over the course of the series, and you see his progression too as. Um, he's kind of this young kid who, you know, uh, still trying to come into his own, but he's a little bit too high on his own abilities. And, um, and throughout the season, you kind of see where he is a very capable person, but sometimes he gets, uh, he makes overcomplicated plans or he gets over his head too easily. And, um, usually the other team has to try to bail him out or he has to learn how to take a more subtle approach. And he slowly does. Um, and he, you see his, you know, progress throughout the season as this kind of like, you know, young kid who's learning how it really works to be part of this team where he was a loner before. Next, um, we have his buddy, or um, they become friends, is Elliot Spencer, played by Christian Kane. And you might know who Christian Kane is if you ever watch a little show called Angel, which is a spinoff from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Christian Kane was one of the main uh, characters on that show for a good bit. And he later plays in a show called Librarians, which I definitely want to see. Also a TNT show, so they like to keep their uh, um, actors and uh, actresses kind of close uh, just in case for new shows. But uh, 
Elliot is this kind of what's called a hitter, but he's this um, ex special forces um, military just ultimate fighter, basically. Um, he usually is the one to uh, try to get the team out of situations that uh, require a little more hands on. He's an um, experienced fighter. Um, Usually he doesn't, um, and you can tell that he, and you find out a lot that he's done a lot of um, not so nice things in the past. Um, when I first watched it, I was like, this guy should be Wolverine, not Hugh Jackman. If you ever watch Leverage, you'll see exactly what I mean. And to take a quote, Chris uh, Elliott is the best <laughs> Uh, I'm going to mess this line up, but he's the uh, best at what he does, and what he does is not nice. I know I'll probably mess that up, but um, he's um, an expert fighter. He's very no-nonsense, but at the same time, they give him a lot of layers of that. He's also a experienced cook. Um, he's also a really good musician, and a lot of times when they like go over information, he is um, he actually knows a lot more than what they expect. Like he'll give like either some kind of background or some history where they you know either didn't know or didn't realize. So he likes to kind of like un. Uh, he likes when people underestimate him and then he can kind of, you know, throw out that knowledge there. And he's another loner who, you know, always worked alone, doesn't care when he first meets him. He doesn't care for, you know, how Nate, um, you know, drunkenness looks like he's putting the team in jeopardy, Hardison's um, kind of immaturity. Um, and also Sophie, uh, something I want to go back to Sophie a funny thing I just remembered is that one of the things they play on is the fact that she, as a as her character, non-con, she wants to be an actor. And as an actor, she's actually terrible. That she's over the top and just wrong expressions at the wrong time. And it's funny because when she's on a con, you can't tell that. She's perfect. She will convince you of you know, anything and everything, but the character's passion of being an actor is where she falls completely flat. The whole team who, if they have to go to one of her plays, they're like, uh, yeah, that's probably one of the worst things I've ever had to experience. And even Alec, uh, sorry, uh, Hardison and uh, Elliot have a scene where they're like, Hardison's like, you know, you were, you know, you were an army, you're special forces. That could be the worst thing that you ever see is seeing her act. And they show a scene of when he's captured behind enemy lines. He's tied up. Uh, some guys are laughing around him. They pull a gun, do like Russian roulette, like pointed at his head and pull the trigger. And of course it comes up empty. And he's like, no, that, that play was the worst thing I've ever had happen. So, um, and like I said, Spencer, uh, Elliot's just um, meaner with Hardison, which you see it, it starts as annoying, but becomes more brotherly as the as season goes on is pretty cool. And the same thing with um, the last uh, member, who is Parker, just called Parker, never know more than that of her name. And she is played by Beth Rascraft. Uh, Res Rascraft, I'm gonna say that wrong. I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> but um, Parker is a 
thief, cat burglar, you want to call it. Now, she had a very troubled childhood that you, they kind of hint at every so often, but never really go deep into it. But basically, one of the things it did is that she was picked up by a older thief that you meet later, and he teaches her basically how to become a thief, getting past security systems, um, called through ventilations or um, off windows, using um, rigs and grappling hooks and ropes, or just climbing with her own um, hands and feet, what have you. And she is a kind of master thief. And throughout the show, there'll be times where they can't, where they either can't find Parker because she's either like, <laughs> in another room or they'll figure oh she's like fled somewhere and she's just off doing her thing and she's actually right next to him and uh one of the things that's good about parker is that she doesn't um kind of interact with people very well she's very social inept in a lot of senses and what this does like what the show does is and throughout the series again Showing that progression, um, it shows how Parker starts to adjust to, you know, being around these people and hanging out with them and working with them and actually not only having their back, but also realizing that these people will have her back too and that she can depend on them. She doesn't have to be a loner. And there is a budding relationship they have between um, her and Hardison that does take the whole series really um, developed and it's really beautiful on how they make it happen that it just doesn't happen right off the bat that it slowly happens and they each take their time Hardison takes his her time with her because he knows you know she's different and she's worth the wait she wants to be with him but doesn't quite understand like how to really express that and how to go about it and you just see it happen very organically throughout the whole series. Um, and that's what I like about this small group is that there's a lot of different pairings that happen that are different dynamics. Not only when they're all together, when they have to do a job, but also just how they interact depending on what group they are. Um, like I said, Hardison and Parker, they're this kind of will-they-won't-they they kind of relationship, which, you know, sometimes they do these um, flirtation things here and there. Or he'll get jealous depending on, like, if the mark is eyeing her or something like that. And there was even one where it flipped where... Uh, they had a Mark who was really into Hardison. He wasn't really reciprocating that much. He was just kind of being himself. And she, uh, you could actually see her being jealous for once. So like, kind of like that conflicting feeling of she hasn't really told him. But at the same time, seeing this other person purposely flirting with her actually puts her on edge. Um, and like I said, you have the... Hardison and Elliot relationship is more brotherly. They're like they get on each other's nerves. Uh, uh, Hardison feels Elliot's like way too serious and need to lighten up, whereas Elliot thinks Hardison's like too jokey and he's like take things seriously and slow down. But at the same time, they'll you know depending on the situation, they got each other's back um, without question. Uh, the best situation I can think of is there's an episode where um, a con kind of goes wrong. And that's another thing. They're so good together is that their cons don't go wrong because they mess up. It's more or less because they did it too well. And there's a X factor that 
was not known to them that sees, oh, they're either this new criminal or, oh, they're trying to muscle in our territory, so I'm going to get them. And then that kind of throws a wrench into it. And in this case, in one instance, uh, they kidnap Hardison and they blackmail the rest of the team to get them like fake IDs because they were pretending to make fake IDs for somebody else and they didn't know where he was. And Elliot was like, you know laser focus on trying to get him out and taking out anyone who got in their way and really see their relationship. But once they get him, um, you know, he, uh, he's, he's like sad. He's like, he's like glad we got you out. Um, and then of course, you know, you have the Nate and Sophie who are, like I said, the kind of parental figures and Sophie really, like I said, they ran into each other a long time and Sophie had this romantic idea of what it would be like to be with Nate, but she realizes that when he's, that his drinking uh, causes a conflict there. And she has to deal with that and kind of understand like what she can do to help him, but at the same time, um, you know, knock out any illusions of, you know, the Nate that she thought he would be. It's like, no, this isn't the same guy I had, you know, dreams that, you know, we would be together once, you know, once he guys act together, he's, he's different and I have to adjust behind it, but then also letting him know she's not going to take his, you know, BS basically that he needs to write himself, um, that she'll put in the work to help him, but he needs to help himself. And you also have other relationships like Nate and Elliot who are more like, kind of like a father and his brother or uncle or friend or something like that, where they're kind of like um, more co-workers in a sense. And there's a lot of times where you later see where, you know, Nate will suggest things that will put the team in jeopardy and Elliot like hardly disagrees with them. He's like, you know... He calls him on, you know, BS. He's like, you know, you think we can get out of this. You're, you know, you think you're smarter than everybody else. And Nate kind of like will, you know, coyly be like, yeah, of course I am. And, you know, Elliot kind of watches back for that. Um, also, Nate and Hardison, whereas Nate views Hardison sometimes as the son he lost in a sense. And he does push them in certain scenarios uh, to try to be better and, you know, try to elevate. And that's always a fun thing. And you see him, you see where uh, with Nate and Hardison, he tries to make them better. But with Nate and Parker, he treats her like a daughter, but not only just a daughter, but you find out later almost as an heir. And that does come up where, for the most part, you know, uh, Hardison tries to be this kind of like, oh, I'm going to run my own team one day and maybe he's the one who takes over after Nate. But in reality, it ends up being Parker. If you watch the seasons as they go on, you realize that, yeah, he's been grooming Parker almost from the start. And that's really, really amazing by the writing that you can actually see it where a lot of times he'll take her under his wing. You see her actually being part of the setup. Um, being part of like trying to get in the crew she's watching how he um, manipulates like not only the um, crew members but also the situation so that it's you know works out favorable for him so you really see that um, 
like I said, where with Nate and Hardison, it's to make Hardison better. Nate and uh, Parker, it's more or less to make Parker better and to elevate her to the leader role that she does take by the end of the series. And then we have um, Sophie, and Sophie and uh, Elliot have the kind of like same thing as Nate and Elliot. It's kind of these two coworkers. They but in which case where Nate is trying to manipulate the team and Elliot's trying to look after him, both Sophie and uh, Elliot both want to look after the team. And they both basically have the same goals, but they have two different ways of doing it. Whereas Sophie will take the more subtle approach to kind of adjust situations so they don't have to fight or, you know, that they can just kind of easily walk away. Elliot will be there in case they can't just walk away, in case they have to get physical. And that's um, really good. And then, of course, um, Sophie and um, Parker have a wonderful relationship, which it's the mother-daughter, and she's trying to help Parker be more uh, socially conscious, trying to help her, you know, grifter. And every so often, you know, Parker will think, like, oh, I did a great job. It is, like, not so great, but some people are like, baby steps you know you're you're getting there and kind of the same way with Hardison she is with like she kind of she understands his capabilities and understands what he can do but at the same time it's at one of those levels that like it's kind of the with Sophie and Hardison is kind of like the generation gap in a, in a sense whereas Sophie uh has a more hands-on approach wants to talk to people to make things easy. Hardison usually uses his tech to speak for him. So that's also a fun dynamic. Um, but all in all, like I said, throughout the show, you have this amazing dynamic with this team, along with their clients and the um, uh, people that they're trying to take down. And it's a really cool show. And if you haven't watched it before, I highly recommend it. Um, usually it shows on TNT, I'm sure, uh, probably like Crime Network, whatever they, you know, Crime Channel that has like other cop shows. This is probably one they show a lot. Um, and, but if you do want to purchase on DVD, it is available. Um, I know Amazon, I think it purchased it. Um, it's available like to buy per episode. Uh, you can also, um... Uh, what is it? It was on Netflix at one point, so hopefully it'll come back sometime. Uh, but if you want a DVD, I have seen like not only just the regular box sets, but the entire series box set also available. And even though it does end at five, it does have a pretty good close. So I definitely recommend it. 77 episodes. And one of the cool things about the DVD, if you get it, is a DVD has commentary on every episode. There's not a lot of shows that do that. Like, a lot of times, you get a show, and it'll have commentary. And if you get it on DVD, if you decide to get it on DVD, it may have, like, commentary on, like, the pilot or the finale or, you know, when it was, like, a, you know, a big deal when uh, this character or this actor had to leave. So, they did this entire show, like, this or this, this entire episode about like this person's either departure or death or something like that. But this um, this group, um, which uh, executive producers are Dean Devlin, John Rogers, and Chris Downey, probably missing a few. There have been several actors and um, uh, some of the main cast actors have been on the commentaries. 
uh, even one of the directors and writers was Jonathan Frakes. And you don't know who that is. That is number one, uh, Commander Riker from Star Trek Next Generation. He's actually been a director on the show, even kind of a quick cameo um, on the show once or twice, which was kind of funny. But um, and there's like a lot of different guest stars you'll see, um, several Star Trek uh, actors uh, from across the different shows. You'll see, and they have a lot of Star Trek callbacks to it, but um, but the commentary is really cool because it gives you a, a true insight on the episode. They even talk about the entire season. I think they do it per season, so they didn't do it like after the show was done um, and then started doing the episode uh, commentaries. It was usually after just the, each season. So they'll talk about how this particular episode plays into the season as a whole and as the later seasons go they'll say like how maybe this will play to the series as a whole and where they'd like to end up and for the most part when they talk about it they did end up where they wanted to um another thing i want to talk about and i have uh, notes um one of the awesome things uh, about the show is the camera work on it because there's these round shots where they um, where they have the team kind of in a circle they pan around it and um, just the way it captures every time it pans to the next person they're the ones who speak their next lines and it just goes like um, consecutively around the table is really spot on and the camera work was done by a Gary Camp. And he does, like, amazing work. And there's some uh, uh, still shots that are just, like, I don't know how you managed to do this without, like, some super expensive rig. And maybe they had expensive rig. But some of the shots they have, these, like, long takes, are just amazing throughout the show when you watch it. And the locations of the show is actually pretty funny. The first epi- the first pilot episode takes place in Chicago. You can clearly see it's Chicago. They um, they even like show channel and um, they screenshots. But then the next uh, the the beginning of the season, the first season takes place in L.A. And you can clearly see it's L.A. And they actually film in L.A. Now, the next season, uh, for whatever reason, they had to move production. They moved it to Portland, but they played it off as Boston. And a lot of times, you can, you'll can you see a few sets that look similar to it. Like, you'll see a few, like, buildings that are similar, a few, um, you know, props and streets that are like, you know, this is supposed to be a different state or this is supposed to be a different country, but that's the same street that you saw earlier. But they did a pretty good job with it. Um, and like I said, they uh, filmed in Portland for pretty much most of the rest of the series. Um, and it was just Boston, but they played as Boston for at least two seasons. Whereas, in, and then in the final season, they actually just, um, they decided to just not only film it in Portland, but they actually said it was like within the show, they were in Portland, Oregon. Um, so they were actually like, kind of like on location at a brewery, I believe, called uh, Bridgeport. Um, so that was actually pretty cool. And I am looking through my notes to make sure. And <laughs> Sorry, it's just like this show is always, when I, when I watch this show, is always amazing because 
I really like team dynamics. I like watching um, groups who work together and who all individually not only have a part that only they can play, but also have these um, kind of uh, um, weaknesses or um, these kind of challenges that they have to fight personally and how each of them try to help each other in their own way get past these challenges. And it was always an impressive show to me. And even now, when I was watching um, a few seasons just to kind of get refreshed and um, try to get back into it this past week, I really started enjoying it to the point where I almost uh, was a little bit late uh, making this uh, video because I wanted to uh, watch some more of the episodes, which I might actually still do later on today. But um, I want to kind of close this off. This has been a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I hope you uh, decide to pick up Leverage. If you have any comments or if you want to talk to me about Leverage, trust me, I can talk all day about it. You can always reach me at uh, my email address that I've set up called The Morningstar General, Journal, all one um uh, where so the morning star journal at gmail.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page up, which I may I have a page and a full Facebook page, and I may uh, decide to tweak that a little bit because um, I want it to be more business like. So we'll kind of see where that is. But you know, definitely reach out to me an email or uh, some comments through Anchor, and you know, we can definitely discuss about leverage as well as anything else that you uh, may want to talk about. So want to give this to a close. I uh, don't exactly know what I'm going to talk about next. So I've done two TV shows, so may have to go back to books soon. And thank you again for um, tuning in. Thank you for listening to me. Um, I hope that you have, like I said, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, you're surviving Black Friday. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I will catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>